You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. Phil Williams here hosting Right Side Radio. Like the guy just said, we're here Monday through Friday, 2 to 5 p.m., and just giving it to you straight up. I mean, and right now we're, we're giving it to you as it's in real time. Uh, and, and I got to say, I said it at the beginning of last hour, I'll say it again. We have a really broad signal on our AMFF capability at WVNN. We're blanketing North Alabama right now. Uh, but if you find yourself driving outside of the, uh, of the, of the AMFM capability, then just, just go ahead and know that you can listen to us anywhere. Just go to rightsideradio.org, rightsideradio.org, and just click listen live. Well, listen, uh, we're going to go back to the topic at hand. I, I've got more to, to talk about on the show than we might even get to. Uh, but, but the reality is the news of the decade right now is what's unfolding through the lack of leadership in our White House. And while I try to make sure this show has local flavor and, and, and talks about state politics and all that too, there is no way to avoid what is happening right now as being probably one of the most significant crises of American foreign policy and, and leadership in, in our generation. All right, so every, every presidency is going to have its moment. Well, this is bigger than a moment, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's huge. Uh, and and it, it also, by the way, has a very um, a, a personal thing to me is is having spent a year boots on the ground over there um, and in another year in, in Iraq, for that matter. But a year boots on the ground, I was immersed in the culture of the Afghan people. I lived among them. Uh, it wasn't like I just uh, um, li- I say just I wasn't like I lived inside the wire. I lived in what we called a safe house in the middle of Kunduz, Afghanistan, drinking from a bucket well, using an outhouse for a year, eating Afghan food, got dysentery five times to prove it, you know, grew a beard, rode horses. It was the whole thing. And, and, and literally, Af- Afghans lived with me. That's where we were. And, uh, and, and, and I will say this, too. I, I'm going to encourage you. Copper, we're going to do a clip here in a minute. So go ahead and get ready with uh, clip five. But right. we're going to do clip five in a minute. But but let me just say this, folks. If you've had a chance to go to my website, you know rightsideradio.org. You, you know that we've got a photo gallery on there. It's just it's just all kinds of stuff. You know, when I talk about something significant, um, I, I, I look at opportunities to, uh, to put up something that maybe describes uh, what I'm talking about. But all said and done, I've got some pictures on there that I think are extremely important that um, you might want to see. Because they put a personal flavor on this. And so I just thank you to Parker uh, over at uh, Alabama Policy Institute, uh, where I am also closely affiliated. Um, and the way they came out right now, they're kind of mixed in a little bit. But uh, there's there's one team uh, picture, uh, and I blacked out all the faces uh, of the Afghan citizens, even though the picture is 20 years old, 19 years old. I still blacked out their, their faces out of respect. Um, but one of those men in the picture... I am working with even right now. In fact, while I was talking, um, uh, my secretary just came in and brought me a letter to sign uh, to uh, the Department of State and uh, Senator Tuberville's office endorsing um, this man's paperwork so that he and his family can hopefully get over here. His name was Akhtar, and he was our Guard Force commander. If you look at that picture of my team, it's a group of us just standing there. In this particular team photo, like I said, a lot of the faces are blacked out on purpose. Uh, Akhtar is standing um, to the far uh, left back row uh, and uh, right next to me. 
and uh, he was our guard force commander. And Akhtar and his family are right now trapped in Kabul. And, um, and I'm, I'm hoping that we can get him out. But what we also have is a picture, a couple of pictures, of the kids in Afghanistan. And the kids in Afghanistan are beautiful. I mean, they, they truly are. They're beautiful. And I've got one picture, so indicative of life over there, of, of little girls playing on top of a destroyed, um, it's really a Soviet-era uh, a BMP, a personnel carrier, armored personnel carrier, but the Taliban had used it, and it was abandoned on the outskirts of uh, uh, Kunduz, where I was. And these little girls are just playing on it like it's playground equipment. But then right below that, at least the way I'm looking at it, is a picture uh, that is one of my favorite pictures. I've spoken to a lot of school groups, and more than once I have had this picture made into a poster and mounted on board and took it with me. It's a picture of uh, just, there's probably a hundred little Afghan girls in this picture, and one man standing there beating on a drum. Let me tell you what happened here. So in the middle of combat operations, in the middle of getting our, our supplies dropped into us, in the middle of, of living remotely and you know growing a beard and doing the whole thing, we also, by the way, did what we could to help show the Afghan people that it was a new day. One of the things that we, we, we made sure that we did was focus on uh, things that would benefit the children and the women who have been so incredibly subjugated by the Taliban. So this picture, if, you're, if you ever get a chance to look at it, maybe some of you are looking at it now, uh, it shows all these little girls, and in, in, in they're, they're dancing in a, in, a, in a ring and clapping their hands and smiling. And, and so I, I walked into this girls' school one day. It was Bibi Katija Tol Cobra School in Kunduz, Afghanistan. And I walked into the, the, the school courtyard to check on the fact that we had been literally paying to have this school rehabbed, and, the, and they didn't even wait till it was done. They were already having school, hundreds of little girls who had been banned by the Taliban from even learning how to read and write, were now back in school and loving it. It was, it was an amazing thing. And as I came in, I could hear a flute playing and this, this drum beating, and it was this guy in the picture playing the drum. And I just watched for a minute. And my interpreter, it wasn't Hamid that time, it was another interpreter named Weiss, he was with me. And Weiss, I'll never forget this, Weiss is just beaming. And I said, what, what, what's going on here, Weiss? He said, sir, this is a traditional Afghan dance. It's kind of like a, he was thinking of the words, he goes, like a, a school play or a school pageant. They're preparing to do for their parents. He said, but the Taliban banned this. No one has seen this dance in many years. He was beside himself. There was another day I was uh, on the roof of my safe house. It was about the best place we could get a satellite signal, so I was on the roof of the safe house using the sat phone, and I could see kites flying in the distance. And I made a remark to Weiss, the same guy, later, and I said, uh, saw the kites flying, and he goes, oh, sir. He said, so you know, the Taliban banned the kites. To see the kites flying now means the Taliban are gone. You hear what I'm saying to you? That's the human toll of what President Biden has allowed to happen. That's the human toll. And I've got pictures right now at rightsideradio.org that will show you the human toll of what happens when feckless leadership does not know what to do with itself and, 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 the, and the, the frail beta male in the White House makes a snap decision, and no one bothers to question it, I guess. And they just let it fall apart. And folks, that's sad. Copper, go, go ahead. 
I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stay on this emotional moment here in copper. Let's, let's go ahead and play uh, before we run out of time. Clip number five, clip number five again is the, um, the, the British, uh, member of parliament who was a, an Afghan veteran himself. Copper play clip five. Does not. So I leave with one image. It is the image of a man whose name I never knew carrying a child who had died hours earlier, carrying this child into our firebase and begging for help. Now, there was nothing we could do. It was over. Because, Mr. Speaker, this is what defeat looks like. It's when you no longer have the choice as to how to help. This doesn't need to be defeat. But at the moment, damn well feels like it. That's a member of parliament from our greatest ally who served alongside the 82nd Airborne in Afghanistan, telling the same type of poignant story that I just told you that I experienced on multiple occasions, who is saying that this feels like defeat. Now, now there's a part of his speech that you didn't hear. I didn't prepare a clip for this one with Copper. I'll just go ahead and tell you about it. When he literally said, what we need to do now is align ourselves more closely with our other NATO allies. Do you hear that? With our other NATO allies. He said the members of NATO in Western Europe and nations like Japan, he says, and align ourselves with them so, in his words, we are never again subject to the whims of one man or one nation that should put us in such a position. That's condemnation from our greatest ally in the world. And I'm going to tell you right now, we got some recoupment to do. We got some work to do. I have lived in England. I have served with British soldiers. I hosted British soldiers to train with my unit when I was a battalion commander. I have uh, been alongside British SAS in the far remote reaches of Afghanistan. Uh, my father was the liaison to the British Army, and I have the greatest and utmost respect for that nation. And it galls me to hear that that is the position that our current president has put us in. Well, we're headed to a short break, you guys. Headed to a short break. I'm going to try and lift the mood a little bit when I get back. Talk about a few things still in the same vein, but I'm going to move off this emotional aspect of it and just talk about what does this mean when President Biden takes the microphone? What does the world see when that happens? Oh, yeah, you're going to want to know about that. And then we got some other news, and I will try to move on, folks. Uh, but we've got some things that are developing right now, like, for instance, the so-called insurrection from January 6th. Got some news on that. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, News Talk, 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. We'll be right back. Hey, News Talk, 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. Phil Williams here hosting Right Side Radio, 2 to 5 p.m. every Monday through Friday. Loving it. 
loving it. I got a little sign right above me that I that I reach up and slap periodically that says it's an honor to have this platform. And man, it just it just is. I got the best audience, and you guys are all over the place too. By the way, loving the fact that we got a lot of you guys who who listen online from from even outside the state. So thank you, uh, right side ruffians. I uh, appreciate the caller earlier, by the way. He started off with, I'm a right-side ruffian. That just makes me feel good. But um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, back to Afghanistan. Um, Topper, oh. you said you were you saw that picture. Did you take a look at that? Yeah, I looked up your website and, and saw the picture of the girls in the square with the sun all shining on their faces and some drums. Yeah. It did look fun. It it was it was something it was it was a special day it was a very special by the way copper that is not my website that is our website oh okay <laughs> you are listed on that website true um, but uh, but yeah that um, that was an, that was an incredible day that was a day too by the way you know uh, here I am uh, trained as a ranger uh, I was over there in a, um, uh, a what we call a soft or special operations forces capacity uh, on a remote team doing what was called. Uh, civil military operations, um, and and so it was it was extremely diverse, extremely weird, and and all my training over the years, much of it s- surrounded you know being able to be a warfighter, but that was a moment when I was not truly a warfighter. I felt like I was doing something for people's lives, and it was just you know one of those unique moments where you go, I think this is why I'm here, and uh, and so I would say this. Um, there is a there is a loss right now um, of leadership, and and what we're seeing is 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 literally our position on the world stage is faltering, and yet there's a human toll involved with this too, for Americans and for Afghans, and and literally just while we were uh, while we were on the line or on the hold a minute ago for the break, uh, I signed the letter uh, and and sent it out uh, literally to the Department of State and to Senator Tuberville's staff again. Uh, for Akhtar, who is uh, who was my um, guard force commander uh, in Kunduz, Afghanistan. But you know, I'm watching one of the things. Here's one of those things. Uh, so, Copper, what would you expect? I mean, if you were if you were sort of like almost in refugee status, so to speak, if you were rushing to the airport in Kabul, uh, would you expect to have to sign a note for the cost of the flight? Sign a note? You mean that you'd pay it back later? Yeah, exactly. I mean, sure. You would? <laughs> well, I mean, flights cost money. Okay, so you're saying you'd saying you'd do it to get out, but but would you expect that to be the case? Would you would you look at this and go, it's a rescue operation, and they're going to charge me money? I mean, I, I wouldn't expect that personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, if if I'm over there, and and my government is staging a you know a massive rescue operation, that's true. So here's what's happening right now, and they they've, I think they're crawfishing a little bit on this. But the official position from the Department of State right now is that they continue to inform American citizens in Afghanistan as of Thursday evening, last night, that they could be charged more than $2,000 just to board the evacuation flight out of the country. Wow. And, yeah, and the State Department told the press Thursday afternoon that it had no intention of levying such charges, but it still lists that as one of the criteria that people need to understand when they fill out the paperwork to get on the plane. And, and just it just... You know, it's just one of those things where you look at it and go, please, would the left hand please talk to the right hand and get the act together? Well, so these folks, are, these are U.S. citizens we're talking about? Yeah, U.S. citizens. Okay, okay. I thought you meant so, the Afghan refugees. Well, even even them. I mean, like, like sure. okay, so how much money is an Afghan refugee going to have in their yeah, pocket? Now, some yeah. of them might surprise you. Uh, you. You never know. 
But uh, what we're hearing right now is they're they're hitting one of those crisis moments where they can't get their monies out of any of the banks, those who use banks, and uh, and the 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 Afghani, which is the name of the uh, the currency over there, uh, is is likely going to collapse. Now, there's a very interesting thing uh, that just happened, by the way. A very interesting thing is that apparently the Taliban have announced, uh, and I think it was said in one of the briefings today, that August 31st is when they will become an official government. They intend to set a calendar date. They're establishing their government. They're probably formalizing their operations right now. uh, And the Taliban expects to have a centralized government under Taliban authority by August 31st. Today's the 20th, so we're looking at 11 days. And, you know, if you remember, I told you that one of my contacts in D.C. told me just yesterday that they're still being told that August 31st is first is the get out of town time. All right. That's if you're not if you're not on a plane by August 31st, they're saying that you, you may not ever get on a plane at that point. Those two things added together tell me something's up there. There is something there is something more going on for for. President Biden to say he's been communicating regularly with the Taliban, as he calls them, and 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 they're also saying the Taliban is saying they're going to be a official government by August 31st, and the briefings being given to folks in D.C. according to my contact says that August 31st is when you you won't be able to get on a plane anymore. Something's up. Somebody has coordinated for a calendar date, and they're working towards that end. Now I will say this. In briefings, most recently, after uh, after that just incredibly wooden performance by the president earlier today, uh, there was a, a briefing by, I believe, the Department of State that said they will stay there and do all that they can to get people out for as long as it takes. That's the only answer acceptable right now. The only acceptable answer. Listen, folks, I'm going to open the phone lines when we come back. 866-494-9866. 866-494-986 after the break. How do you feel about the thing in Afghanistan? What do you think about our position on the world stage? News Talk, 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back.